But what I really wanted to mention was specifically that bathroom scene. Okay, this movie came out in 1980. So I was, what, uh, 15 years old. So I'm a young man, you know, and there's this tall, beautiful woman, you know, coming out naked, coming out of the bathroom. I'm say, and then it changes to this horrible, rotting, I'm going to say, fuck you, Stanley Kubrick, for ruining one of my first fucking boners. Because I, I still have, I, I still cannot stand that, that, that scene. I'm Shaun of the Dead. You set him up, and I'll knock him back, one by one. And this is The House That Screams. Tonight, if you haven't realized by the uh, title of the episode or the intro, we're talking about Stanley Kubrick's 1980 film The Shining, often divisive, kind of a love-it-or-hate-it film, which we'll get into later. Tonight, we have Erica Wright. Hi, honey. I'm home. <laughs> we have Mac the All-Star A nigger Cook <laughs> No, I'm just busting with you if you want to cut that out Red rum Red rum <laughs> That's great I'm not cutting that out I'm leaving no. <laughs> I gave you both, just in case you want to be PC or not. <laughs> in this movie? Yeah. We got Dave German. Wendy, baby, I think you hurt my head real bad. <laughs> <laughs> we got Rob, the cinema drunkie antiquera. Hi, Lloyd. A little slow tonight, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> And a uh, uh, returning friend of the show, my sister from another mister, Daniel the Nightmare <laughs> Nerd Ryan. Your money's no good here, Mr. Torrance. Yes. <laughs> and so, like we always like to do, um, we let the guest start off. And Daniel, you're the returning guest. So what do you got to say about this film? Um, honestly, one of the true masterpieces of horror, particularly for the 80s, like... It's just a, pretty much a perfect film. There's not much you can say about it. But uh, I am going to point out that I've, and we'll discuss this later, I've become one of those who, 
I believe there are no supernatural events going on in this movie. Yeah, that's that's an interesting take. Um, Rob? Yeah, so this movie sucks, right? This movie really sucks. This movie's a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. I hate this movie. You hear that, Candy? I hate this movie so much. Uh, Stanley Kubrick is a terrible director, and Jack Nicholson's a shit actor, and I hate this movie. This movie sucks. I don't even know why I'm here. To hell with this. No, nah, no, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Candy. I can't do it for that long. I tried to maintain that the whole episode, but uh... I believed you for a second. <laughs> I did too. I thought, wow. Uh, oh, you want you want me to keep going? You want me to keep going? I could do it for the whole episode if you want. <laughs> Not as convincingly as some. <laughs> <laughs> Candy, the final girl, is sitting out for health reasons, just PSA. Yeah, Candy's sitting out um, while she's sitting in. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> she will be missed, but she is forever with us. That's right. <laughs> Always and forever. Always and forever. <laughs> yeah, this movie sucks. It's a piece of shit, and I hate it. The Stanley Kubrick can go to hell. <laughs> And that's my take. Thank you, Roger Ebert. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thanks. <laughs> All right, Mac. I'll probably be like maybe not loving it as much as maybe some. I thought the movie was pretty good. If I had to change anything, is that wife. She was straight trash, like hot garbage. <laughs> and um Yeah. Like olive oil. No, that's you know what, and that's it. Like, fucking get out of here, olive oil. Like, go somewhere with yourself. But I, I mean, I really enjoyed Jack Nicholson's performance. Like, that was like the whole thing. And I thought he was good playing crazy. Don't give me thumbs down over there because you want to give me hearts, but Candy's listening. Stop playing with me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah Bob, like, a little brown on your nose. God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave, let's hear it. I love this movie, but this is one of those movies that just makes me feel so stupid. Because, like, I, I was, you know, watching all kinds of analysis videos today, and all these people would come up with shit that I literally never thought of. I'm like, wait a second. It, uh, are these people just digging way too deep, or am I just a fucking idiot? Like, um, there, right. there's, so much, there's so much analysis of this movie out there. There's so much. It's like all these rabbit holes you can go down and I, and I don't know where to stop. And, and when I'm like, yeah, oh, that's bullshit. I'm like, but maybe it's not, maybe I'm just an idiot. You know, I just don't know with this movie. I mean, I love it. It's very, it's very effective But Kubrick. Like they always say, Kubrick makes no mistakes. That's the, that's the mantra. He makes no mistakes. So every little thing was on purpose. That means every fucking doorknob, every light switch meant something. You know, the, the, this chair was at this angle and this shot and this angle, another shot. He didn't do that by mistake. Like, but maybe he did. I think, you know, I, I, I need you guys to help me out with this. So let me know where the line is on this. Yeah, all the, the conspiracy theories that, that go around Kubrick, like with the fake moon landing and things like that. And so people watch this he film. Did and they, that, damn it. And they, they think that they pull out like these the secret knowledge, you know, which, you know, Erica, you said before the show, you know, at least they it's not QAnon. But yeah. it's, you know, it's the same thing. Like people go down these rabbit holes. That's the whole idea behind these conspiracy theories is that it just sucks you in more and more. And so you start looking at symbols within the patterns of the carpet in the overlooks, you know, and, and what it stands for. And like you said, the doorknobs and the light switches and, you know, furniture moved at certain angles. And it's 
crazy to me to to witness that you know that that people look at just a normal you know a film and try to pull out all of this random shit and some of it some of some of it's legitimate like the window in Ullman's office you know everyone talks about the impossible window that that to me seems reasonable like that seems like something someone would have caught so that Kubrick just fucking with us you know but there are there are other things too like, that are so there's such minutia that it's just come on you people right but it's you know, it's one thing to have a film and pick out something like for instance Jack Nicholson every scene where he's speaking to you know a ghost apparently there's a mirror and you know so you you pick something out like that okay cool it's in the film you know whatever it's a little hidden easter egg you know that someone picks up on but to try to relate something that happens in a film with a real life event you know and that it's some sort of hidden message like that's just fucking loopy to me i don't i don't don't mean to interject but isn't that the tallest tale of time conspiracy theories like people look like it's it's in our dna to look for something that isn't there when it's uh blatantly in front of you what it is right but you just can't help but be like oh man but maybe it means this yeah but and maybe it means that it become, what time point does you become you know cuckoo fucking nutty talk depends on what you like that's what, that's and what who you are as a person yeah but at some point you're wrong, right? At some point he didn't. This doorknob didn't mean anything. It's just unless he, he tells you it didn't mean anything. And unless he dead. agrees to you that hey, that meant nothing, then you are wrong. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> that, that's what I need. That's what I need help with. I need figuring that shit out. Uh, Erica. Yeah. So um, I am super obsessed with The Shining, more the novel than the Kubrick adaptation. Um, the novel's one of my favorite Stephen King books of all time. Best. I was so into it that I went to the Stanley Hotel multiple times, stayed in the same room where Stephen King stayed, and ghost hunts. Um, and yeah, there's weird stuff that happens there. I, I could have a whole discussion about that. Um, but uh, I do like the Kubrick adaptation, but I am kind of a purist, so there are certain changes he makes um, in his vision of The Shining that I'm not completely on board with. I don't like him killing um, Halloran's character because like he lives in the book and that just kind of pisses me off. It was like a useless death. Like, why is Halloran so psychic? He can hear Danny all the way from Florida, but he doesn't, you know, sense Jack Nicholson coming around the corner with an axe. Like, that's just, eh, didn't oh. like that choice. Um probably my biggest uh, there were a few other things that annoyed me like i don't like the way they handle tony in this where danny's doing a little finger puppet thing and you know like talking back to it that annoys me um my biggest annoyance is wendy like i don't like how much of a doormat she is i don't like the way like her the way she dresses her hair is gross all the time i mean it's just like she doesn't flick the ash off of her cigarette (laughs) So like, there's just like there's just a lot of like little annoyances through this film, even though I think there are a lot of really cool things about the film. Um, like one of the changes uh, that's not true to the book that I think is actually pretty cool is the hedge maze instead of the hedge animals. The hedge maze is creepy as hell. And the idea that it almost seems like they're implying that the maze changes its configuration to keep people in. Like I sort of get that impression or that it expands 
uh, you know, beyond the grounds of the property. <laughs> but um, I mean, the hedge, the hedge animals were cool, but I kind of do like the maze a bit better. So that's maybe the only departure from the novel that I was down with. Anyway, that's all I've got for my intro. It was very rambling. It's what happens when I don't make notes ahead of time. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Um, before we go any further, I'd like to introduce um, Candy, the final girl. Cameo. Um, cameo appearance. Yeah. Um, it was said that uh, Kubrick doesn't make mistakes. Now, if you recall our episode on Psycho, we said Hitchcock doesn't make mistakes. As a matter of fact, we took that clip for the intro from, I believe it was Rob that said it, Hitchcock doesn't make fucking mistakes. Um, Kubrick is not Hitchcock. And and that was going to be my argument had I chosen to fully do this episode, was that Kubrick is not Hitchcock. He's more of like a visual artist. You know, it's more like these visuals and kind of atmosphere. And we get a lot of that in this film. But I just wanted to state for the record... He's not fucking Hitchcock. He makes mistakes. Eyes wide shut. I mean, I mean, like, <laughs> um, this film, like, it was, it's more like inspired by events that were in a novel. I took a couple ideas and I threw some art on there, and you get some really cool cinema-looking things. And I, I mean, really, he's not Hitchcock. He does make fucking mistakes. The end. This is my TED talk. Man, you're never going to a Cooper convention, are you? Because they'll tear you to pieces, man. Hitchcock <laughs> all day. Both assholes, but one really doesn't make mistakes. Food for thought. Sometimes you got to be an asshole to get shit done. Well, yeah, but some are some accomplish that more successfully. If we're talking, you cannot put Kubrick in the same class as Hitchcock. I mean, I'm going to make that argument. Right there. I mean, I can't stay for the argument because I got a shower, but um, that's why it's a cameo, and I'm really unbreak. But yeah, so I don't buy that whole he doesn't make mistakes. I think he's obsessive with detail, and but that that in itself does not mean that he doesn't that everything he does is wonderful, like Hitchcock. Like it's really hard to find a bad Hitchcock film. I can name several bad Kubrick films. All right, TED Talk over. Uh, Rob. Thanks for having me. Uh, also, also to add to what Candy was saying, that uh, in, in the opening scene, there's uh, a second of a shadow of the helicopter that filmed that shot. First time. So, yes, he makes mistakes. That's why he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> he and sucks. There was, <laughs> if I remember correctly, I read there was a conspiracy theory about that, but it, you know, yes. it, was, uh, it was just a frame error. Like, yeah, yeah, they 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 just wanted to cover up for him because he says said, who did he come out and say it was a frame error? Huh? Well, one of those saying. things you notice it in the editing room floor, but by that point you're not getting a few more million to go back and do it again. I, I, right. I honestly, honestly, it, it definitely was a framing error, but uh, no, he 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 put that in there. He left that in there, and he sucks. He left it in there for you, the fans. Yeah, so so we could see how much he sucks. He thinks he sucks. Oh, Mac, over, Mac over here being the voice of reason for That's this. what I'm saying, course, man. That's all I'm trying to say. Mac has always been the voice of reason. I have always been the voice of reason. <laughs> Mac has talked me out of some, some weird shit. Yes. <laughs> yes some wild shit. I've no, bro. No, bro. Don't do that. <laughs> all, right, all right. You talk, don't you do talk. that. You get five to ten. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, word, word. Uh, but uh, the less said about that, the the better. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Daniel. Uh, I feel like I just be the devil's advocate to stand up here and say everyone trashes on Shelley Duvall in this, and uh, for sure her character is the height of hysteria. But I think that was just the perfect match to Jack Nicholson's character as Jack Torrance. And particularly when you hear about what she went through in this production, like the insane pressure that got put on her, it all makes sense. Right. And as, as I believe that there are no supernatural events, that Jack Nicholson's Jack Torrance is just a violent alcoholic who chronically abuses his wife and son. Her very nervy, nervous, very skittery, very jumpy demeanor, that makes sense. Yeah, I think it. You're right. I think, and I think it works well in the the sense that how Kubrick put it together. Um, I know Stephen King has had said that he didn't want somebody like Shelley Duvall. That that he pictured her to be more of like a the cheerleader type that like mm-hmm. had never you know faced any bad things in her life. Um, and and I don't know that that would have come across well in this film. Now, definitely not. Um, I never I never saw the the later uh, Shining, which I know we, we said we were going to talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how they went around uh, doing that character for that. But but I do think that Shelley Duvall, the way Shelley Duvall did the, her character in this, I think it worked out pretty well. Uh, Mac. Say so. So I think um, what Daniel is saying is true. But I also I feel like it's maybe for me more like what Erica said, her dress her hair, she looks so disheveled. Even though, like, how are you supposed to look in that situation? So I get it, but I don't know, man. I didn't. I, I don't know who I would have put in there to replace her. So I mean, and, and credit, that's a good thing because I don't know who would probably pull that off. Well, you know, and I, I can say, like, you know, touching a little bit on my past, uh, um, and and we've had these these last couple episodes were kind of like, uh, you know, these heart to heart moments and stuff. But uh, you know, I grew up with an alcoholic father. And my mom was basically a single mom. Uh, my dad was drunk all the time and she was disheveled. And you can look at old photos of my mom and she did not look very good. She didn't look very happy. So, you know, I kind of get that. Stress you know, takes toll. Right, right. And, and, and so I, I think it comes across, well, yeah. Do I think she she looks disheveled in that fucking, you know, that dress and this, that and the other? Yeah, of course I do. But... You know, I think it kind of fits in with that. You know, when in in the novel, uh, Jack Nicholson's character wasn't an alcoholic. You know, an, an abusive parent. He was he was a good husband who turned bad. You know, but Kubrick did it differently, where he was a recovering alcoholic. What five months, something like that. But you know, but he he had been abusive in the past, and so when he got to the hotel, it kind of brought back all of those those demons. Is, is Candy still there? Is she gone? No, she <gasps> stepped out. Okay, okay. So, okay. So, so I, can, yeah, I, can I love this movie. I love it. <laughs> no, 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 um, no. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree that uh, I, I, I actually love Shelley Duvall in the movie. I got to disagree with you, Mac. I think Shelley's great. Um, I love the the way she portrays that that torment and you know just absolutely just especially like when like she's going through the hotel at the end and she's seeing all the the ghostly images and you see she's just completely going out of her fucking mind and she portrays that so well I in, in my opinion um, I was thinking though that uh, I know Stephen King himself has said that he wanted like 
the 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 whole cheerleader aspect thing going for it. I'm thinking probably like Civil Shepherd could have pulled something like that off back then. Mm-hmm. I know I know Stephen King wanted Michael Moriarty to to play Jack because he felt he could pull that off. The you know the the descent into madness and all that stuff and the reason he hated Jack Nicholson's casting because Jack looked crazy from the start which was he was totally against and that's true you know uh Jack totally gives one of the greatest on-screen performances ever the I got to say but I agree with Stephen King there that uh he I I, I guess you could say that it, like the hotel put their hooks into him like from the beginning, because he seemed fairly fine in the interview, and then like as the, and like on the drive there and shit, you could see like it was already starting to take take form, like you know the evil, yeah, sinking like you know just you know with uh, yeah, oh, he saw it on the, the television. television, yeah, right, <laughs> like 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 the, like the closer they get to the hotel, yeah, you know, yeah. like that pull. Yeah, like uh, he was like he's already annoyed by them in the car. Like he's like, Dad, yeah, I'm hungry. Well, you should have eaten your breakfast. breakfast. <laughs> yeah, like he he's he's already he's already sick of them. And like that's what I was saying during the the Doctor Sleep talk, where it was like in in the book, Jack is a, is a man who loves his family, whereas in the movie he's a man who hates his family. Right. You know. And like he makes that argument, like you know, Wendy's holding him back. And, you know, he the, like the the hotel hasn't feeling like you know he's 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 free. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, you could party forever. You know, kind yeah, of thing. You can have that drink with no consequences. Yeah, right. You know, which is the 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 meaning of the the picture at the end. Like you know, he's part of the party forever. You know, like you know. That's so. Interpretation, actually. Yeah. So like, uh, I I I could see both points. You know. Uh, but uh, I, I personally think their their performances are fine as is, even though they may not be the right, you know, casting choices. You know, I I, I see I agree with Stephen, but uh, I think Kubrick did a fine job uh, getting these incredible pieces of performances from them. And yeah. Uh, with uh, Eric was saying that uh, Halloran's death kind of sucks, even though that is one of the. Uh, I, I think that scare when, when he, Jack comes around the corner yeah, and he plants that scream. Yeah, that that that's one of the greatest jump scares ever. But it's it's stupid because how the fuck didn't you? You're a psychic and you didn't know he was right right there. <laughs> you're a psychic. Oh, that was blocking him. I'm not oh. that omnipotent. Yeah, that 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 that. Well, the, there's that. But then also, how how is he able to have these shining conversations with Danny while they're there? Because he you shines, know? bro. He's a shiner. Yeah, because Danny yeah. can get out. Yeah, it makes me think of that whole like you know Emperor Palpatine being amongst all the Jedi, right. and no one no one knew no right. one knew he was the the don't with that don't get him started we won't we won't we won't, we won't but all right, all right, Sean all right. you're on to something bro yeah um all right <laughs> hold on I have something to say since we we got here I'm not gonna do that but I have like a picture like that like uh. With a bunch of my Mason brothers at a ball we went to, and um, I can understand why like that photo is like the t- like like someone said the time of your life like you know the party lives on forever because that was an awesome night and I would do it again hands down you know what I mean so something like that could definitely drive someone mad if he wants to stay in the moment. Yeah. 
David? Well, in defense of Shelley Duvall also, um, I, it's my understanding that a lot of her work wound up on the cutting room floor because Kubrick wasn't happy with her. So mm -hmm. a lot of her got edited out anyway. But her character and, and the, the son's character, they are, we, you, we all touched on it, they're the classic abused family. They're, they walk on eggshells around him constantly, you know, like uh, Danny wants to go up to get his fire truck. And she's like, no, your dad's asleep. I mean, you know, I know when my, I came home, my dad was in bed. You didn't fucking wake him up. You know, you didn't, you know they're, they're all walking on eggshells around him. Like the scene where he berates her for coming in and bothering him at his typewriter. You know, it's a classic abusive husband speech. And she's just, okay. She's obviously been abused by him for years. He dislocated Danny's fucking arm, for Christ's sake. Yeah. So that's that's why I think she's not given more. She doesn't push back. She's been abused by this man. Right. You know, and, and like and like you point out in the novel, he's much more. Uh, it's more like he's a man trying to um, a, a regular man trying to keep from going insane. Where in the movie, he's already insane. You yeah. know, like we pointed out, even I think even during the interview, he says a few things that are just like like when Ullman tells him about the um the, uh, the, um, the, the previous caretakers, he, he, you know, he, his reaction is just not normal. He's, he's, he's not normal from the very first frame, I don't think. Well, uh, on a similar note to how we all acknowledge that obviously she's been abused by this guy for a long time. Uh, we mentioned this before about how in the beginning when she's talking to the doctor, she says it was a few months since he dislocated Danny's arm. Yet, and this is something that all those internet nerds dissecting this movie piece by piece found out, when he's in the bar talking to Lloyd, he says it was years ago that he dislocated Danny's arm. Right. So, so that is part of why you get the impression, again, it's not supernatural. It's just these people are cracking under the strain of being locked in together. And pretty obviously, he's been bad from the beginning, and his family have been going through this for a long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it, I think it brings up the question, who's reliable in this, in this film? Who's the reliable narrator? <clears throat> You know, you've got you've got Jack who's going fucking nuts and seeing all these, seeing all these these ghosts and or what we think are ghosts, um, but could very easily all be in his head. You know, you've got Danny who has this you know imaginary friend that he talks to and he sees these things and these twins and you know the the blood that comes out of the the elevator and all that stuff. But you know, this could all very easily just be pieces of his past from dealing with his, you know, the abuse from his father and things like that. And then Shelley Duvall, who, you know, is clearly, you know, like, like Dave said, walking on eggshells had obviously dealt with his alcoholism and his abuse, you know, so we don't know who's reliable here to tell this story. So then my next, my, my next train of thought was then when do you start saying fuck it, it's the safety of the child now. I don't have kids. Like, I'm working on having kids, and I feel at some point, if my wife is acting very erratic or doing wild things, I'm gonna try to just, alright, I'm gonna bounce. Like, I understand they were somewhere where they couldn't bounce, and obviously for the movie, but there were, there were, there might, there were signs a long time ago, and when you're abused, which is a shitty situation, that sometimes you gotta think of your kids and get them out of the situation. Uh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, Mac. But um, this is like when when you've been dealing. I think it's when you've been dealing with this for a while. You kind of fall into routine because you're afraid of rocking the boat. You know, when you like you, your will is broken, is is kind of just like I'm I'm scared to just do anything. 
you know. No, I get it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, she's just like, I, I just don't want to piss. Especially the fact that they're all locked in the hotel together, and she really has nowhere to go. So it's just like, okay, uh, he's obviously angry. I'll just, I'll just take it, and I'll just, and I'll just go. Which is like, yeah, like what Erica was saying. She's kind of like a fucking doormat. But like, it's, it's also that you know. I just, I'm just I'm terrified of this man, and I I, I don't want to do anything that's going to give him an excuse to you know to you know to terrorize yeah. me and my son. So like there there's basically like a protector mode right there. Let me just leave him alone. It's okay, you know. But she does react though when she finds his shirt when Danny's shirt rip. Say you did this to him, didn't you? Didn't you? Yeah, that was sort of the line. Yeah, yeah. you know. So so wouldn't so, that be the time to get in the snowcat and bounce, or at least find out that it's fucked up because you tried to bounce? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you. Well, how long was it after that? Say what? How long was it after she finds him? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, because she, she, like, Danny shows up after he gets manhandled, and then you know she accuses him. Right. And then he goes to the, the, he goes to the bar and talks to Lloyd, and that's when she shows back up and like, uh, somebody trying to strangle Danny. Are you out of your fucking mind? You know. Uh, yeah, to, to touch on what you were saying, Rob, like, you know, you hear that in a lot of uh, abusive situations where, you know, women are abused and they blame themselves before yeah. they blame, you know, the husband or the boyfriend. Yeah. And, you know, they find excuses. Um, you know, he hit me because he loves me or, you know, this that, and the other. And, you know, so I kind of sense some of that in her, like, you know, when she's. You know, when she tells Danny, don't go up there, your father's sleeping like, you know, she knows what would happen. Right. You know, so she's she's being protective, but but she's also, you know, she's she's kind of protective of her husband as well. And you see that throughout the film. But you're right. When when she gets to that point to where she sees his shirt ripped, like that was the last straw. Yeah. Well, um, I think it's also worth pointing out um, prior to that. She does make a call on the radio to, like, the local sheriff or whatnot, kind of saying, oh, oh, just want to talk to someone. But probably a lot more like she's just kind of saying, look, shit's going to go down here eventually, so please be ready. Right. And right. Uh, it's going to add in, like you said, you know, when you read about what happens with battered wife syndrome, like, they will convince themselves that this is a normal state of affairs. And yeah. and you, you get that sense with her character that, this has been going on a long time, and she's just resigned herself to it. Yeah. Yeah, not to belabor the point, but there's a couple of other scenes that point out how abusive he's been in the past. Like, I think in the early scene with the doctor, when uh, mm-hmm. the doctor is uh, asking Danny about so doesn't she ask, doesn't she ask Wendy, um, where's your husband now? And she makes some, I forgot, she says something, you know, which I couldn't, shouldn't he be there? You would think, you know, she would have called him, he would have rushed him. Your son had, a, uh, you know, an epileptic fit. And there's another scene, an interesting scene that I never really noticed before just recently, is that there's a scene where Wendy is downstairs checking the boiler, which is obviously not her job. That's not, you know, that's obviously what Jack is behind. She's doing it because he's unreliable. Now, he's not specifically off on a drunk like maybe back home, but he's not doing he's not doing his fucking job. She has to pick up the slack and do it. And then when also when uh, Jack's talking to Lloyd in the bar and he's talking about how he dislocated Danny's arm, he blames Danny for it. He was fucking with my papers or he blames uh, he also blames like fate. It was just a tiny little inch foot of power, you know, uh, or uh, per second, per second. He's like saying it could have happened to anybody. That's what abusive men do. Abusive mm-hmm. people do. Forgive me. What's what abusive people do? Uh, abusers uh, blame everyone else. Abu- uh, uh, people who are abused 
blame themselves. It's an interesting symbiotic relationship, and it comes out in so many cases. I just wanted. I thought the boiler scene was particularly telling. I'd never really noticed it before. She's doing his fucking job. Like I'm sure she did a hundred times back home when he was off on a, on a bender. She would have to, you know, pick up the slack around the house or whatever, maybe mow the lawn or what, you know, whatever he normally did. So, yeah, I like that boiler room scene. I thought it was very telling. Yeah, that's a good point. I did. I didn't. It didn't even cross my mind until you said that. Yeah, and adding on to that, actually, pretty early in the film, since I had my hand raised, uh, you know, she's giving him breakfast in bed, and he, uh, he yeah. says, like, uh, she she wants him to go for a walk with them, and he says, oh, I should do some writing first. In the very next scene, he's bouncing a ball off the wall. He's loafing. Yeah, yeah. he's a, he's a, yeah, he's definitely yeah, he, he's a self-absorbed jerk. Erica, got anything you want to add? You've been kind of quiet tonight. Oh, man. Yeah, sorry. I was just enjoying everything uh, you guys were uh, saying. But, yeah, I, I was thinking that, too, that it, it does seem like she does more actual work around the Overlook than he does. Um, yeah, he doesn't do any. You don't see a single scene of him doing anything. Yeah. What was there? So in that, that one uh, documentary that was all about different fan theories and conspiracy theories, Apparently, when he's in the um, the lobby of the hotel waiting to interview with the hotel owner, um, he's reading Playgirl magazine. So there's a whole fan theory that uh, he's actually gay, or there are other fan theories like uh, kind of playing off on what you guys were talking about that you know he's he's been like abusive to Danny beyond just the arm uh, you know incident. I guess one interpretation was they were implying that he like, sexually abused Danny in the past. The bear. Yeah, the bear. Yeah, the um, theories as to why Danny has these, you know, blank spots in his memory and these other behaviors with his imaginary friend and that type of thing. Um, on the subject of other fan theories, there's also theories that um, Kubrick was trying to make some kind of comment about American colonialism and imperialism and the plight of Native Americans, and so I mean, there's like a lot of fascinating ideas. They don't necessarily hold up, but or I think they may just be coincidental. But it is one of those things where I wish you could, you know, get a Ouija board and call up Kubrick and say, okay, did you intend for this subtext here? Or is this are people just fixating on these issues and it, it was just a fluke? <laughs> well, the Native American thing is interesting because they do mention it in the at the beginning of the movie Ullman mentions it and you think okay plot point and then nothing yeah. ever comes of it but that was a Stephen King trope in a lot of his books uh, uh, mm -hmm. Pet Cemetery. Um, yeah. he was he was big into about how uh, objects or places could absorb negative energy from past events um, mm -hmm. so that the, some of those theories make sense like if you look at it close enough the thing about Jack sexually abusing Danny there's some there are some points there it's like oh wow I never saw them am I just mm -hmm. fucking crazy now or is that really intentional or I just don't know and that's why I mean why this movie makes me feel stupid. There are people who claim to know. I know. He definitely, like, I don't fucking know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah Room 237 was a reference to the moon landing and the distance right. between the moon and the earth and all which this stuff. Is, and, which it isn't, by the way. The moon yeah, I looked it up. And it's like, right. It's not yeah, that's 237,000 not, not really miles at all. Correct. But it, it, was, it was kind of an odd change from the book. Of like Just some of the, like, the random changes that he made. It's like, I don't know why he decided to change that number. It's just... Odd. I know there was a justification for it that he wanted a room number that didn't really exist in that hotel, but I read that the hotel requested that because they didn't want a room yeah. that people wouldn't want to rent. But that's clearly not true because look at the success the Stanley Hotel has with renting out room yeah. 217 
it's their most expensive room and it's the former presidential suite before Stephen King stayed there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of I kind of want to touch on something Daniel mentioned earlier about how this isn't a supernatural film and and get, you know, kind of everybody's thoughts on that cuz I'm kind of with you like I know a long time ago when I watched this and in a couple subsequent viewings afterwards, I did view it as a as a ghost story. But the more I watch it, you know, the older I get, I start to to pick up on the on some of those things where no, I think maybe he's just fucking nuts. What do you think, Rob? Um, I I think that has to do a lot with just Kubrick himself because Kubrick was a well known atheist, and uh, he he really didn't believe in all that shit at all. And I think, uh, I remember uh, Stephen King relating that he had a conversation with Kubrick at like two or three in the morning because Kubrick forgot that, uh, you know, the, the time zones were really far stretched, you know, and, uh, they would have these conversations and, uh, he, they, they were discussing like, you know, the meaning of all this stuff. And, and I forgot what was said that, the um, uh, Stephen King was like, oh, well, what about hell? And he was like, I don't believe in hell, Mister Mister King, you know. And so you you can definitely look into that. Like you know, he he's definitely trying to downplay the supernatural stuff in the book. Obviously, the ghosts are real, and but uh, in, in his mind, this is a bunch of that's that's a bunch of hubbub, and it's more psychological to to him. So I I, I could see that. I, I definitely could see that. You know, I mean, it, it works either way. In, in my mind, it works either way. If yeah. you want to believe that it's psychological, it's there. And if you want to believe the ghosts are real, it's there. You know, it's take it, take your own one. It's all subjective. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I did read read that about that conversation, and it was Kubrick told uh, Stephen King that he thought ghost stories were optimistic because it gave people uh, hope that there was something after death. That's what it is. Yeah. And then and then Stephen King, you know, asked if he believed in hell, and he said no. And he said, well, there are people who think who are afraid of things worse than death. And it, you know, it kind of, I, I don't know if it did anything to Kubrick. Um, um, on that note, if we're going to touch on that topic, probably worth touching on the, probably the most off-debated one. If it is psychological, there's no supernatural events, how's Jack get out of the freezer? Yeah, I wanted to bring Yeah. yeah and <laughs> I, for my part, I adhere to the simple explanation. When he's talking to Grady through the door, he's got his hand on this extended lever, that's the emergency release. Mm. Mm. Most, but, the, but they show her putting the pin. You have one of those because that can happen. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think uh, walk-in freezers back then were. You could still put that locking pin in it and not be able to open it from the inside because they show her putting that pin in the door. I mean, like I said, this is Kubrick. We could talk about that one scene all fucking. But again, right. <laughs> but at the end of the prob- day, they probably took him a hundred takes to film it anyway. So. Oh like, yeah. At the end of the day, like like. like uh, Nico said, it "Doesn't matter. It, you know, you take it either way. It's still entertaining. I don't, you know." Yeah. So for me, this is a, a super a, a supernatural movie. Like, even if you don't see no ghosts, ghouls, or goblins, something is going on with uh people's uh minds. Like they're seeing it, whether you're seeing it or not. So something has to be doing that. Like I know I work with a. Uh, uh, mentally unstable people, and I know they could see wild things. So is that supernatural? Or is that just something a chemical imbalance in that whole stick? You know what I mean? 
But um, I classify it as a supernatural movie. It was spooky. I would think I was seeing or know the devil if I saw wild things as my backdrop. Oh, just some blood come flowing out of the walls. Yeah. Yeah, I'm crazy. I don't care what you tell me. <laughs> no, you're not crazy. No, I'm crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, as, as someone who uh, ate LSD religiously um, for about five or six years, when I saw fucked up shit, it was really there. So. Erica, you got anything you want to add? Um, I personally do view this as a supernatural movie, even though I know uh, Kubrick was an atheist. Um, you know, part of this might be my bias, just uh, because I read the book before I saw the Kubrick uh, um, adaptation. But I, I know it's like when like Danny sees certain ghosts or apparitions later. Uh, you know, Wendy sees the same things. Like she, she sees some of the same. Uh, phenomena that Danny saw earlier so that the fact that they're both seeing the same stuff um, would lead me to believe that there are really ghosts or at least there's some kind of residue or echo of things that happened there in the past that the characters are picking up on yeah um, on that note I want to touch on what is my personal favorite uh, blend of the theory that it's all psychological the bathroom scene where Jack sees the rotting woman the theory I read here is that what's really happening is that, as mentioned before, Jack beat and strangled Danny for waking him up. And in that scene, that's not Danny having a psychic vision of events going on. It's him having a nightmare about what his father did to him. And in his mind, he's replacing his father with a, a wicked witch fantasy character. And the, the proof there is that the layout of the hotel room is very similar to the layout of the Torrance's apartment. And when the rotted woman is walking toward Jack and laughing, she's got her hands out in a strangling gesture like this, mm. and the camera is pointed at an upward angle like a child looking up at an adult. And a little later, when Jack walks to the bar to have his conversation with Lloyd, he swings his arms around angrily, and then he goes like this, like he's remembering it. He's envisioning it in his head. Mm. Interesting. It's an interesting point. Uh, Dave? No, this is what I'm talking about. You can go fucking crazy, man. I'm going crazy. <laughs> because you make those are go. all good points. They're all good points, uh, especially since um, after he has this horrific, you know, vision in the uh, with the bathroom scene, he goes back to Wayne and she says, "What did you see?" He says, "Absolutely nothing." What would his, what would be his his, his uh, impetus for lying there? If it, so I, it's it's a, they're all good points. I just don't know where to stop with this. But what I really wanted to mention was specifically that bathroom scene. Okay, this movie came out in 1980. So I was, what, uh, 15 years old. So I'm a young man, you know, and there's this tall, beautiful woman, you know, coming out naked, coming out of the bathroom. I'm say, and then it changes <laughs> to this horrible, rotting, I'm going to say, fuck you, Stanley Kubrick, for ruining <laughs> one of my first fucking boners. Because I, I still have, I, I still cannot stand that, that, that scene. This, that, that, that horrible image of a rotting corpse laying in a tub. Wasn't there some backstory to that woman, too? I don't remember mm-hmm. it in the book. Like she was murdered in that tub and they didn't find her for weeks or some shit, right? Yeah, in the in the book, she was uh, this wealthy, older, you know, cougar type woman who was having an affair with a much younger man. And then he leaves her because he was just ba- basically a gold digger and wasn't really in love with her. And she thought it was a she love relationship. So she kills herself in the bathtub. And they don't find her for a time or something. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, that scene still, that that specific, that that when he changes to the old rotting, <laughs> that scene still is. Yeah. yeah. That Thank is you. my favorite ghost in the whole 
Oh, yeah, the book and the film, honestly. Yeah, that's, that's a shocking, shocking scene. It, I wouldn't mind seeing a movie of... The TV series did better. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I, I think I watched the first little bit of it, and I could not get it. I've never it. seen it. We, I think we own it, and I haven't watched it. <laughs> I, Be thankful. I have seen it. Oh, come on, man. That's harsh. I, I I've really seen it. Like and... it but... Hey. Like, I'm not going to say that, um, you know, it's on the same artistic level as Kubrick, but, I mean, it is a very faithful adaptation of um, the book. Yeah. And I think it does a lot of things very well. Like, it shows, oh, yeah, there's Daniel's kitty cat. Sorry, I have to stop what I'm saying to, like, No, you're fine. Sorry. It's a kitty cat. What a cute baby. What's what new, it? pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Max, get down. What does the, what does the, cat, oh, yeah, what does the cat think? Did we did we fake the moon landing or not? What does the cat think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we want the cat's input. Cat's like, I don't fucking know. Man. Max, get down, please. <laughs> I almost said, wait, what? I'm nowhere, up, nothing. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what I was gonna say. Oh, um, I kind of remember what I was gonna say. Um, one thing that the miniseries does well, and I think um, Steve Weber did a really good job acting as um, Jack Torrance, is they show his, you know, that he's trying to be a good father and he cares about his family, but they show his descent into madness, you know, better than the the Kubrick film does. So there is that. But yeah, a lot of people. Um, kind of shit on the miniseries for whatever reason. I mean, for a TV miniseries, I think it's really solid. Yeah. I feel that way about The Stand. I think people shit all over the original Stand miniseries. They do. I, I, really li- I really like it. Yeah. yeah, love- yeah it was- when it came out, it was like, I thought it was like pretty good. It just didn't age well because of the special effects and the, the CGI, you know, that was maybe pretty good for TV at the time, but in retrospect, it's like, yeah, that did did age well but i will i will say it's definitely better than that new one they did sheesh oh, yeah really? i haven't watched that yeah no offense that's a saying a slap to the face is better than a kick to the balls yes yeah. <laughs> it is up. straight up straight up straight i've up. had both and it is <laughs> <laughs> you got a really wide foot you got both of them <laughs> but if, if we're going to talk bad cgi and uh stephen king uh adaptations we can go with the langoliers that was oh. Oh, yeah, that's probably the worst yeah, yeah. probably the, the worst the example triple. uh i've never seen it good Count <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Count your yeah. blessings yeah yeah, no yep. yeah bro uh you you were good just watching the original it and stopping there <laughs> yeah. i don't uh, like uh, the original it no you know? like Hiya, Georgie. See, <laughs> the, the the problem I have w- with the original it is the same problem I have with the new ones is that the stuff with the kids is good and the stuff with the adults sucks. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but, but uh, I can't I can't no. give enough praise to uh, Salem's Lot. So. Oh, oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. another thing that gave me nightmares. The kid floating outside the window scratching. Yes. That's another yeah. Stephen yeah. King gave me nightmares for years after that. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Please. <laughs> yeah, that seemed terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> All right, Rob, you got your hand up. What do you got to say? Oh, uh, I, I totally forgot I had it up. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the spot. Um, no, I was just, I was just gonna say, like, uh, uh, uh I was reminded of uh, the. Okay. Um, reminded of. Excellent point. <laughs> yeah, you, you think about that for a little bit. <laughs> 
All right. Well, I wanted there's one thing I wanted to read that I saw today. Jan Harlan, who's an executive producer on the films, was quoted as saying, people say The Shining doesn't make sense. Well spotted. It's a ghost movie. It's not supposed to make sense. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my take on him, too. It's, just, you know, it's a ghost story. Yeah. Uh, not everything has to make sense. Ghosts don't make sense. Yeah, that's a good point. Daniel? Yeah, just since we touched on the miniseries and we said we were going to talk about it, it's okay, in my opinion, but it's painfully slow-paced. And I'm sorry, but when I look at uh, Stephen Weber, all I can see is the guy from Wings. So <laughs> that kind of ruins it. And, and in all honesty, and it is much closer to Stephen King's book, but you just cannot beat the hotel set from Kubrick's movie. Oh, my God. No, yeah. Unbelievable. Just yeah, I, I am a bigger fan of the Stanley Hotel where they filmed the miniseries. Granted, that's my bias because I'm a Stephen King purist most of the time. Um, my mother yeah, I got to visit that, stair- that staircase. Yeah, that's that's the one thing I can say about about the the Kubrick film is that the set design and the cinematography for this film mm-hmm. is amazing. Beyond compare. Uh, and and they had the uh, the guy that that created the Steadicam. You know, works the steady cam on this. Uh, I had his name written down and I've I've lost it, but there you are. <laughs> yeah, I got, I, yeah, I got kicked. My bad, my bad. So you had enough time to think. Do you remember what you were gonna say? Oh, um, where did I leave off? What you like did? Like you, you didn't even start. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> holy shit! No, like I was saying that uh, I had a thought about the 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 the, the woman in the bathroom. The ghost. Don't touch your head again. That's what happened last time. Stop it. Did it? <laughs> That's with the antennas, man. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Um, no, I, I was. I, I I had a joke where I said she looks like adult oh, actress. Now everybody's in there now. She she looks like adult actress Carter Cruz, and then she turns into Betty White. And <laughs> <laughs> How dare oh, you talk about Betty White Betty like that? Like that. <laughs> how dare you? Everyone loves Betty. <laughs> <laughs> it's the scariest shit ever. Yeah. Um, no. Terrifying. No, no, but um I, I will I wanted to agree with Erica. I, I actually do like the the the, the Shining miniseries. Uh, mainly for Steven Weber, because I'm a big fan of Steven Weber as an actor and I think he was great in it. I know they originally wanted Tim Daly. Which I mean, which I think would have been better because Tim Daly's a great actor. He was on Wings. So. They both were. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that was that was a Family Guy reference that nobody got. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Daly, he was on Wings. Is Quagmire's favorite actor. Love uh, Wings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Damn, people living under a rock don't know Wings. Love Wings. <laughs> But yeah, I, I yeah, I really did like the the the, the miniseries. Um, I, I watched it not too, I rewatched it not too long ago, and um, I still like it. Yeah, the 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 digital like the the hedge monsters, uh, uh, they really don't hold up. Um, I don't know if they held up. I don't remember if they held up even back then, <laughs> like the the effects. But I I I, I like I liked how. You know, faithful it was, and I thought Stephen Weber was great. Uh, Rebecca De Mornay was 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 fine also as Wendy. Uh, the kid, uh, he was. Oh God. Yeah, he was a little grating at times, you know, especially with that, you know, that that little, you know, cheeky uh, look he had <laughs> with the lo- the lips poking out. You so, know, so I, but I said it in a couple of uh, Facebook groups that I subscribe to about horror, just that 
You know, people who think the kid from the Babadook was annoying, you need you ain't got shit on this little fucker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's uh? I, really, you, I, I think he's as annoying as that kid. Oh yeah, the, the Babadook. Yeah, pretty the, brutal. Yeah, the Babadook kid is like. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if any child is more annoying than that kid. But yeah, I do. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. No, no, you weren't done. No. No, no, I was just finishing up that uh, that I I really agree with Erica that uh, I really did like the the miniseries and uh, I I thought it was great. Uh, Also, uh, Melvin Van Peebles as Halloran is is good in it too. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Melvin Van Peebles is a treasure. I love Melvin Van Peebles. Um, But yeah, like, I don't don't think it's as bad as everyone says it is. Uh, I think it's fine. So, yeah, uh, you and me, Erica, we'll die on that hill together. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it. I, I, I don't think I'm going to go watch it. But, uh, talking about the hotel itself and what a great character it is, kind of like when we talked about 13 Ghosts, which I didn't know before, but I thought the, the, the house itself was a great uh, character in the mm-hmm. film. I think the, the Overlook serves, although I find it interesting because inside it's obviously very gorgeous, palatial, it's beautiful, especially the gold room. Every time he goes, and we watched it just the other day, me and my girlfriend, and every time we went to the gold room, I was just like, Jesus, look at that room. I mean, it's just absolutely stunningly beautiful. Um, but I found it interesting, um, like Ullman at the beginning says they chose this spot for its scenic uh, majesty or whatever. But whenever the, he shoots the overlook from outside, it's always from that angle uh, looking up with the mountain behind it, which is very bleak and, and, and gray, like all the, all the topography behind it. It's just, it's just this colorless rock and then these cold granite mountains with snow. He doesn't shoot it from the other way, which would be, I guess, I'm assuming overlooking very lush forests and, and beautiful, you know, river. Like when they're driving up, I just found that interesting the way he frames it when he shows from the outside. It's very bleak. It doesn't look like a very warm place. It looks cold and hot uh, in those shots. And I think that's, that's uh, I think that's obviously a, a conscious choice. He didn't want to show it as a, a beautiful place where you go to look at the, the beauty. It's a place where things are cold and hard and, and, yeah. and bleak and hopeless. So that sense of isolation and yeah, especially when they're driving up uh, Sidewinder, that 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 giant, you know, God's point of view shot showing how little they are and how big the mountain is in the background. It's, it's, yeah. it's just uh, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. What an amazing opening shot to that opening tracking shot. It, oh yeah. You, wait, you mean you mean the footage they stole from Blade Runner? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But he does. He, they do touch on that when he's when he's in the interview, and they talk about you know why they close it, and and the guy tells him that you know it would be super expensive to you know plow a 25 mile road. So right off the bat, you know you're getting this idea of like how far removed from civilization you know this this hotel is, and now and when what it comes he's getting himself into when it comes to isolation, like. I don't get the same feeling that, uh, of isolation and claustrophobia that I get from, like, say, The Thing. But, you know, I I, I get it. Like, that establishing shot where it shows all the, the desolate mountains behind it, you know, I think that that's what they're going for. But, you know, I just – I didn't get that same feeling of claustrophobia, even when they, you know, they filmed the, the, the scenes inside the hotel. Um, but when I compare it to a movie like The Thing, like, where I felt claustrophobic – when I watch that, because it's just, you know, I, you're, you're fucking out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. You know? Yeah. And it's, and it's, and with the thing too, it's more closed in. Like yeah. the, 
the the hotel was a little is, is real open wide even on the inside you know and with the thing you know you really feel boxed in it's like really like cabin fever in there so the definitely the the amount of claustrophobia you feel from watching the thing is greater than what you feel in the shining right That's just- yeah. well um i'm a little belated here because we were talking about the miniseries a little bit ago but uh I have a lot of respect for Stephen Weber as a comedic actor, but he was trying to be seri- serious in the miniseries. And all I can think of is that one moment where he's got the croquet mount and saying, you're ruining my plan! <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely have to watch it. Uh, do you, any of you uh, listen to Audible uh, books or audiobooks? Not really. Yeah, I, I do a uh, lot, yeah. Stephen Weber is the narrator for It!, and he does a phenomenal job as the reader for that audiobook. So if you like audiobooks, check that out. No, but I, I kind of wish they had had him read The Shining since he was in the remake, but it's some other guy reading The Shining who's also very good. I just can't remember who that is offhand. No. Anyway, totally random thought. <laughs> so I kind of, I, I briefly want to touch on, you know, we've talked about the film. I kind of want to talk a little bit about the making of. And some of the shit that that went down, um, one of the I was going through some of the trivia uh, behind this and there is a shit ton of it. Um, but one of the things, well, actually, there's, there's two points, two things I want to say. One is the I read about um, how they got Jack Nicholson agitated mm-hmm. and they just they fed him cheese sandwiches for two weeks. And like that's all he could eat. And he fucking hates cheese sandwiches. And <laughs> right. But I mean, Jeez. and when I read that, I was like, there's got to be there's got to be more to that story, because how does how is he only have access to cheese sandwiches? You know, what yeah, I'm saying? Jack for fuck's sake. I mean, I mean, granted, they didn't have fucking DoorDash back then, so he couldn't, you know, but but fucking come on. It's Jack sandwiches. He tells some production assistant. I want a hamburger. They'll get him a fucking hamburger. They're gonna, he's fucking Jack Nicholson, yeah. They're like, they had him locked in his trailer against his will. Here's another cheese sandwich, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the other thing I wanted to point out was Kubrick had two other actors in mind for to replace Jack Nicholson, and that was Robert De Niro and Robin Williams. And Robin he, Williams oh would have been very interesting. Now, and the interesting thing is, so he watched Taxi Driver, and he said that Robert De Niro wasn't psychotic enough for the character. <laughs> I but, mean, then watched, okay. but, but then he watched Mork and Mindy and decided that Robin Williams was too psychotic for the oh. character, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Which he meant too coked up. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, R.I.P. Robin Williams, but if you've ever seen One Hour Photo – he plays. He plays a good. He plays a good fucking. Oh hell bat. yes. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I agree with that assessment. One hour photo was is great, and he's phenomenal in it. Yeah. There's something about that scene where he's sitting on their toilet. It's just so. Yes. It's it's like being raped or not, I mean, not just <laughs> invasive. Bad, but you know what I mean? It's like it's, it's invasive. It's it's personal. It's yeah. Lovely. Yeah. The, the room flush that is it, most private. Flush it twice. Flush it twice. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 know, I know that must have really bu- bugged the fuck out of you, Dave. <laughs> yes, yes, that OCD. <laughs> yeah, I'm in a one-bedroom one bedroom with one bathroom, and, you know, it's, it's tough sometimes that other people have to use your restrooms. Like, did you wipe everything down? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'll just check. Let me just check. I'll be right back. Yeah, I'm gonna go check. Good job. 
Go ahead, Rob. Uh, yeah, the, the the making of this is uh, is, is definitely something we, we could talk about. Uh, the There's um, a great documentary, The Making of the Shine, that was done by Kubrick's daughter, Vivian, where uh, she just, you know, she would just follow everybody around on the set with her camera. And, and she captured some phenomenal footage. Uh, it starts with her uh, filming Jack and like his right before he goes to shoot a scene. And I think he's on he think he's on the phone with uh, his, his, his girlfriend at the time, Angelica Houston, where he eats rice and noodles. And uh, I, I don't I, I don't know how well a combination that is rice and noodles. So, so Jack is already Jack is already a weird motherfucker to me because he eats rice and noodles together. Just <laughs> um, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, she also captured uh, uh, Kubrick's treatment of um, Shelley Duvall and uh, like the scene where she was trying to get out of the front door. And uh, like he was just really prickish to her. To also, um, when Vivian would try to come for her, he was like, "Don't sympathize with Shelley. Don't sympathize with Shelley. Like, just, just, like, just leave her there so I could fucking torture her. You, like, you fucking monster, you." Uh, Jack Nicholson almost uh, smacks a, a um, an AD in the head with the axe uh, <laughs> as he as he's gearing up to shoot the the famous scene where he, you know he's chopping into the door. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. great video. Of him yeah. Right yeah. Uh, they're all going to die. Right. <laughs> kill. You know. <laughs> also, um, he's talking to Kubrick's mother, and he reveals he stopped reading the script because Kubrick was constantly rewriting it every day. He said, "I stopped reading my script. I just get you know do the pages he hands me." You know, and you can see how just annoyed he is. Like, uh, um, I also know that uh, I know this wasn't captured and. Uh, the, the the documentary, but uh, his treatment of Scatman Crothers, mm-hmm. when he made him shoot his death scene, a godly number of times, where Scatman Crothers uh, broke down in tears, like, what do you want, Mister Kubrick? Which 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 pissed off Jack because uh, Scatman Crothers and oh, Jack yeah, were you don't, you don't fuck with Scatman Crothers. Yeah, 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 you don't fuck with Hong Kong Fui. <laughs> but yeah, the Silver the, Street, fuck yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, the the making of this is is probably just as fascinating as the movie itself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I was reading about and, and the guy's name is Garrett Brown, the Steadicam inventor. Yes. Um, and and so one of the things was he was told when they brought him on that this that they were gonna only need him for six months because six months later he was gonna be filming Rocky too, and the film ended up taking almost a year, if not longer. And so at that point he had to go back and forth between this set and Rocky two. And every Sunday he had to hop on the Concord to fly back to the States from England so that he could film Rocky two and then fly back to do scenes for this, That's you know? Ridiculous. And I think that that was, that was a recurring theme that I saw when I'm reading through all this is that, you know, like like you said, he changed the the script on a daily basis, um, manipulated people on the set, um, and, and I'm sure some of that was maybe to try to elicit certain emotions out of Shelley Duvall, um, you know, treat her horribly, so that that comes across on on the camera. Do I think that that's right? Absolutely fucking not. Right. No. You know what I'm saying? But um, you know, just a lot of interesting things about 
about what they did to film this. Like, like when they did the famous axe through the door scene, you know, they, they made the, a bunch of doors, I think like 60 doors only to realize that, that he used to be a, a like a, a, a volunteer fire marshal. And so he was pro at putting axes through doors. And so they had to build stronger doors because he was like fucking ripping through them in one swing. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, the, Reading about the making of this, it drew a lot of parallels in my mind with the making of um, Apocalypse Now. If you've ever seen Hearts of Darkness, the documentary about the making of that, another, yeah. Torture, yeah. another torture production from a director who's known for his obsessive eye for detail and just constant reshoots and maybe being a little challenging on set. I kept drawing parallels with that. another brilliant movie that came out of what, you know, it, during filming was shaping up to be a disaster, Apocalypse Now, and turned out to be just an absolutely brilliant film. Yeah, I, in my mind, I was drawing a lot of parallels between the two. No, the the, the difference is is that the the making of uh, Apocalypse Now almost killed Francis Ford Coppola as well. Whereas, and, uh, and Martin Sheen. Yeah, Martin. yeah, uh, and uh, whereas in The Shining's case, it was just Stanley Kubrick being a super fucking dick. <laughs> I get that. That's the impression I get of him reading his works. Um, well, we talk a lot like Hitchcock, kind of a dick, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think Hitchcock had a lot bigger problems with women than yeah. Kubrick did. Oh, um, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, both dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, when I see a picture of Stanley Kubrick, I can't decide if it's him or Salman Rushdie. They look exactly alike to me. Like, <laughs> they do, too. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. yeah. The only thing I could say about the, which was cool with him was that uh, uh, you had Tony Burton in a small role. Tony Burton, of course, was Duke in uh, the Rocky movies, he was Apollo's trainer. And uh, what am I? Was you know, him, right? Yeah, 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 that was Larry yeah. or yeah, uh, shop owner, right? Yeah, and uh, he he's only in it for like what two three minutes, mm-hmm. um, but he 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 was a you know avid chess player, and he showed up hoping to get a game, and of course we know uh, Stanley Kubrick used to play chess for money and he he loved it, so he shut down production so he could play chess with Tony Burton. And he said that uh, I think he won both games. They played two games and he won both games. But he said that he he thanked Tony Burton for, you know, being the first real challenging player that he has played in in a long, long time. And I thought that was cool because I'm I'm a huge fan of Tony Burton, obviously, because I'm a fan of the Rocky movies. And um, I thought that was cool. Like the one cool thing he did and shit like fuck the movie and shit. I want to play chess, you know, And, and judging by the harsh, you know, things that the actors had to go through. I'm sure they didn't mind taking a day off. Yeah, yeah. They said, uh, Angelica Houston said that uh, when Jack would come home from shooting, that he would collapse on the bed and immediately fall asleep. Yeah. Like, just yep. collapse and just, he was snoring instantly. <laughs> Honey, Which can is... I make you a cheese sandwich? <laughs> I wish I could fall asleep like that, because I have sleeping issues. Yeah, so. I do too. It, I, I gotta take fucking... Uh, Zeke my wife sleep. Boom, she's out. She laid down 2.5 seconds. Th- that shit yeah. bugs me <laughs> out. With, yo, that shit that shit bugs me out when people could do that and shit. I'll be sitting there twisting and turning until I find All a night. To oh, the comfortable position. Thinking of the wildest things. Like that's yeah, right. you saw my camera earlier it doesn't help me with that. <laughs> <laughs> right, like I'll be sitting there like I'll be finding a comfortable position and I start thinking where the hell is my copy of fucking end of day <laughs> yeah, at this moment? Yeah. And then and then I'm up until like two in the morning fucking searching for it and for no reason because I'm not gonna fucking watch it. I just want to know where it's at. I don't know where it is. 
yeah, that's that's kind of that's what we deal with here. Like like it takes candy forever to fall asleep, and me like the second if wow. I hit the pillow and I start if if I open a book, those words start blurring about maybe a paragraph in. And I'm snoring. And there have been times where she's had to wake me up because I'm falling asleep with the book on my face. You know, because I'm just, I, I'm like that. I'm just out. And then they get pissed at you. I've been in relationship with people who have trouble sleeping, and I fall asleep. And they get mad at you. It's like, it's not my fucking fault. Like, right. Oh, I can't believe you can fall asleep that quick. Yeah. I can. I mean, I That's wish, I, bro. Uh, yeah, I, I do too. I'm out. I'm out I do too. The pillow, I'll, out. I can think down, like, yo, it gets so out of hand. Like, I'll think down to the stitching in the car I will buy if I won the lottery. <laughs> like, it's crazy. <laughs> now, I do. I will say, for to Candy's credit, like, prior to to us getting together, I had to have the room pitch black and no noise. That was how I slept. She sleeps with Mystery Science Theater on, fan full blast. And when we first got together, I thought, oh, my God, I'm never going to fucking sleep again. <laughs> and now here I am 10 years later. There was a couple nights like when her her, fan, her her mom would come in from Canada and they would stay up late and talk and play cards and stuff. And I would go to bed early and I would tur- I would like, oh, this is my one night. I can do it without the TV, without the fan. <laughs> pitch black and I couldn't fucking do it. I had to get up and turn the TV on because now I'm just so, it's just so ingrained in me now. Yeah. I sleep with the TV on as well. I can't do it. I used to do radio. And as I got older, I feel like I'm missing out. I want to turn over and watch what's on the screen. Like, yeah, I use a, I use a white noise machine and I can't, I, I fell into it in a similar way. I never used to sleep with one. And then when I had, my daughter, we put one in her bedroom because it only helps babies sleep. And so I would hear it over the monitor and I got programmed. And now I cannot sleep without a white noise machine going next to me. Yeah, right. That's that's what happened to me. Like I, I regularly fell asleep with the TV on. Like I'd be watching TV late at night and I just fall asleep. To, and then it got to the point where says, I can't sleep without the TV on. You know, I just have to have the TV playing in the background. I need to yeah, we're pro- we are programmable. It's interesting that that's a whole other conversation, but we are programmable. Yeah. yeah. The Matrix terrifying. got us. <laughs> <laughs> nah, like yo, I I have to sleep face down. Literally, like it'll look like my eyes holding open because I sleep <laughs> on a piece of my forehead with a pillow crunched up. It's crazy. My wife's like, yo, you're animal. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. The- looks like your eyes are open. I'm like, nah, I'm sleeping. What are you talking about? She's like, you're looking at me. Well, I I'm can't like, <laughs> Yo, my, my sister fucking slept with her eyes open. Like, this is how I got this, like, dot on my that. forehead, bro. Really? Yeah, no, they're, like, it's, I, I sleep on my forehead, literally. It's bananas. <laughs> yeah. It's, I gotta, yeah, I, I definitely gotta sleep a specific way. I, my, my knee has to be out. Captain Morgan, knee yeah. up all the yeah. time. My foot has to be slightly hanging off the bed. Oh, I like, can't do that. No, no, no. One, you have no one, edges. one arm has to be under the pillow, and the other one has to be in like the 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 headrest of the bed and shit. I have to be completely fucking discombobulated <laughs> to find. The I cobra clutch a pillow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I love cobra that. Cobra clutch. Love like oh, in I there, love, like. I love the I love the pillow and shit on my side. Like, ooh, baby, come here, pillow. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's like, why don't, why don't you ever no just comment. hold me? I'm like, I'm going to squish. No comment. <laughs> no, I'm no. I'm going to break out my classic line. If I'm <laughs> in a jet, 
Go ahead, Danny. Yeah. I didn't hear the line. Say it again. One more time. If I may interject, let's get back to topic. Oh! <laughs> All right. All right. I got you. I'm sorry. No, no. No, no. That, that was Danny's classic line. Yeah. yeah. So, I did classic. that a lot in the early days of this podcast. And he, he, he put them together like fucking Voltron and shit. I love it. <laughs> You haven't got to meet Robo Mac yet. Maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, just wait. Robo Mac. Oh, the Give class of Titans is in store, I think. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I think he's just a lazy pothead. You don't got to worry about him. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I would, uh, before we move on, I just want to give a shout out to uh, our, our guy, Nico. Nico. Uh, couldn't Nico. be with us tonight. He got a, uh, got his second uh, COVID vaccination and uh, is Feeling a little under the weather, so uh, shout out to him. Illegal yeah. now, baby. You got your yeah. second shot. Yeah. And shout out to shout out to Candy too, who made a cameo and then disappeared. And I hope she's not dead inside because no, she took crazy. a hot shower. She's like, you got it. <laughs> like, like, we feel her presence. That was, was that not, was, it was probably hard for her until not be here. I think. Sean, yeah. that was. Oh yeah. Sean, Sean, that was pretty fucking morbid, I gotta say. <laughs> he said, oh, she's not dead inside. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll edit that out before she hears this episode. Setting it up for murder mystery you if the cops come and knock in. I was on the oh, podcast. I'm, Candy, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get interrogated when I walk inside. Yeah, Candy, don't eat no taco de muerte anytime soon and shit. Sean's out to get you. <laughs> he wants the top spot in the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> this is my show. What, what was it? What was it? Look at me. Look at me. I'm the podcast host now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he totally Captain Phillips her. Oh wait! Before oh before because I think I feel like we're getting ready to wrap up. I want someone to explain to me the final tracking shot in on the photo. Explain that to me in a way that I can comprehend it. That I will say yes, that's the ultimate answer. Yeah, so I'm with Dave shot, on that one. Someone explain that, please, because I am stupid and I don't know what that fucking means. I'm stupid too, Dave. Don't worry about yes, it. Yes, thank you. Right here. What the like? How did he get in the picture? Why? Is what he is? What picture? is it? Yeah, Why like is he what in is that it? Photo? Well, the 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 house, you know, specifically like when you know he goes into the bar a second time and you see it's a big party and stuff. That's right. really all the ghosts, you know, coming together, you know, right. having their forever party. Yeah, yeah. Once he's dead, he's now in the photo, which means he's now part of the forever party, which is where he wanted to be. So he so wasn't he was... in the photo before. No. But then when he died, he got in the photo. Yeah, and he is now one with the house, like That's just like I've everybody else's. That's what I've always thought. But then there are people. Oh no, he he was actually a reincarnated spirit who went out into the world. And, I'll tell them. You know, tell them shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> okay, shut I, the fuck I, I, up. I will. Good. I'm glad. Just I'm like that. Sure. Just like that. Cinema druggie says, "Shut the fuck up." Shut yeah. up. Shut up. Shut up. Bitch, are you for real? It's an absolutely classic closing shot, but it's baffling yeah. me for. But that reminded me of the photo. It's like I, when I was at that ball, I felt so so gallant, and it was it, like I get it, like I right. understand that. Right, right. He wants to live that forever. You know? Right. So, and now, and now he is. Right now, he is. Right. And and that yeah, and that was his thing. Like and that was his thing. He you know he had to kill his family for it. He ended up dying himself, but like you know, they still you know you could come with us, you know. Oh, and also, why was the bear sucking that one guy off? Anybody? Anyone? 
That's just furry play, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they would, they would get they rich down. white elitists like furry play. That's what they were saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were getting down with that shit even back then. You know what I'm saying? And he looked at the, he looked at her like, "Do like, you yeah. mind?" Yeah, like <laughs> I'm, I'm working here. Like, like I'm bitch, working here. Like, bitch, what the fuck is your? I'm problem? living here. Yeah. Could you, could you, could you go away and shit? I'm, I'm trying to work. And then I'm the trying. guy getting it looked up and said, "Yo." <laughs> I'm working here. Like, yeah, you're trying to hour, yeah, you fucking up the flow, bitch. Be gone. Be gone. With I just you. like, I just like my first reaction was, oh, and then I'm like, well, you know, but it, it felt a little odd to me. Out of everything in the movie, then bam, a bear sucking a man off. Like, wait, <laughs> what? That did throw me back a little bit. And his, and his ass was out too and shit, so you know more was going on. So someone else was in there. They just didn't show. No, no. I think I think he was no. He was switching back and forth. You know? Oh, <laughs> I see. I see. That right, right, right. Actually, you know, pay for the um, package. <laughs> well, in all seriousness, do you guys know the story from the book? I've never read yes. it. No, no okay. I know. I know. We were talking about They're educated. Too, yeah. I'm not. For for Ricardo's benefits, so to go on the tangent here. One of the first ghosts that Danny encounters in the hotel in the book is a man in a dog suit. And Eric, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong here. It's a man in a dog suit with blood stains around the neck, around the face, who threatens him. He says, I'm going to eat you up, little boy. And Jack gets more and more obsessed with the hotel's history. And he reads up and he finds out one of its owners was a mobster who was also reputed to be bisexual. Now, when Jack has his hallucination of the New Year's Eve ball... He sees the man in the dog suit drunkenly running around and making an ass of himself. And one of the ghosts explains to him that's the hotel owner's male lover. And he's been forced to dress in this costume and humiliate himself. And then Jack watches the two of them leave. They're off to go to the hotel room to have another passion. And a little later on, Danny hears someone in one of these hotel rooms like screaming and saying, like, no, please don't. And another man going, rawr, rawr, you know, barking and growling. Implication: The lovers' quarrel got ugly. Mm. Am I See, that's why reading stuff sometimes is better. Don't be like me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm the worst. So I gotta return that bear suit I bought, or what? No, I got some tip money for you, bro. <laughs> oh, only fans. That's My right. Doge is blowing up right now. I got stock money. Come on, Poppy. Oh yeah. <laughs> he just called me Poppy. <laughs> Do you take Bitcoin, Dave? Take, I only bro, got Doge for you. Jolly, I'll take fucking Jolly Rancher, baby. Whatever you got. Oh, <laughs> I can facilitate that. I know a Candyman. Okay, I'm sorry, I just made it weird. <laughs> candyman, can. No, he's uh, legit. He legitly sells candy. I love going to his spot and racking up. Okay. All right, All right this turned weird. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's. Uh, you guys want it ready to do reviews? Certainly. Yeah. Sure. We're, right. we're up to the candy man, so I think it's about that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dave and a dog. Take the sunshine. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna take candy spot and uh run the show. Um and she just stepped back out here by the way and she's pouting. Say hi. See she didn't hear about the candy man. <laughs> yeah, she didn't get to hear about the candy man. Yeah. All right. What, so uh time? no. No, you stay out of this. We were talking about a different. Oh, we, were, we were talking about a different kind of candy, sis. 
<laughs> Candy makes you dandy. Yo, did you did you hear her? Oh, okay. Candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker. Uh, amen. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna give this seven out of ten. Hair. Are you done? Love All right, let me start over. I'm going to give this 7 out of 10 hairs of the dog that bit me. The film is is nostalgic to me. It takes me back to my, my youth. Um, I think there are some great scenes in this. Like I said earlier, the set design and the cinematography in this are fantastic. Um, there are some, some bits of the movie that I don't like. Um, I, I don't like the fact that it doesn't follow the book. But it is still a creepy film. Um, it, it has its its unsettling moments. I think the acting in this is great. I think that the the actors that they chose were great, um, and it, it has some really memorable scenes for me. Uh, Rob. Um, oh, hey, Candy. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna give this uh, one out of ten uh, <laughs> assless, assless furry chaps. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this movie sucks. Oh, uh, it's terrible. Uh, so bad. I hate it. So bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a piece of shit. Oh, I hate this movie. Well, I uh, Andy, will you leave it. so he can change his tune? <laughs> no, no, no. Not uh, that intimidating. <laughs> no, no. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I should be. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I would. I would give this. Um, <clears throat> damn. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I got. I got to give it a nine out of ten. Um, like nine out of ten balls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Out of 10 what? Balls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're they're at a ball, aren't they? So you know, oh, balls. those kind of balls. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, having a good time, having a drink. They're at a ball. We talk about. Yeah, we yeah. talk about dicks enough. I didn't know what kind of balls you were talking about. Hey, oh, yeah. we didn't say dick yet. No, we did when the nigga was sucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, they yeah. Didn't uh, explain um, in the film. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, totally. I mean, they used it in the movie, so I was just using it. You, you, you people are terrible. God, I hate you. <laughs> oh, oh. The, so, uh, yeah, um, it, uh, I, I will take a point off for uh, the not following the book uh, clearly enough. Um, that, that, that was a big deal. But uh, other and also for Stanley Kubrick being a huge schmuck. Um, uh, but, uh, the, the film is, it was one of the movies that my mother made me watch as a kid. She, she bought me three movies where she said, uh, if you haven't seen these three, you don't know shit about movies. It was this, the French connection and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. Mama. choices. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I I I have added to the list. I added uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, uh, Days of Heaven, Apocalypse Now, Blowout, and uh, The Wages of Fear. Not Night Living Dead. Um, Uh-oh. well that's that's on my personal. Uh oh. That's on my personal. List. But uh, like those 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 are the ones where it's like uh, where I feel like it you know it has that cinematic language where it's like you you could just learn about filmmaking just by watching it you know and uh. Yeah, Shining is definitely one of those things, you know. The it, it was just a crazy production as we talked about, but um, it the, the power it still has is undeniable, and um, 
I, I will fight anybody who says that Shelly Duvall isn't good. Mac, you and me are about to fight, bro. We're going to fight. Fight! Put him you up. No, I don't fight, bro. We'll smoke it out. Talk it out. That's true. That's true. That's true. It's le- it's legal here now. It's just yeah, yeah. I can mellow out. Mellow uh, but, out, bro. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, the movie the movie I think is a is a cinematic masterpiece. Um, there's no two ways about it. I'm sorry, sis. I'm sorry. <laughs> I saw I saw that like. Wait, you're entitled to your opinion. Like no, I, but I saw that when I said that she put that motherfucker. What? <laughs> <laughs> if she could flick her cigarette at you, she might. <laughs> <laughs> I've but, done it before. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't test me. No, I don't. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. But uh, yeah, nine out of ten balls. <laughs> All right, uh, Mac. <laughs> I'm gonna give it probably eight out of ten creepy ass kids standing over your bed with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it gets a score because I enjoyed Jack Nicholson really much. Like I thought he fit the crazy bill. Awesome, and. Uh, I enjoyed the little ghostly tale. Yeah, there was some far-fetched stuff, in my opinion, and I might not have been appreciative of the leading uh, female role, but after tonight's discussion, I definitely understand her more. So I take that into credit. You know what? I'll bump it up to eight and a half. I'll give that a half star because I know more now. And, uh, yeah, that's my review. more you know. (laughs) And knowing is half the battle. That's G.I. Joe! Joe. Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 Guys, are nerds even for me. Oh, bro, come oh. on. I paused it's my title, game to, play, to be here right now. I'm just teasing. Wait. No, oh, stop. Right. I seen that earlier. Erica? I'm going to give this uh, 8 out of 10 bathtub hags. <laughs> nice. Um, bathtub Betty White. That was my fault. That was my fault, Candy. That was my fault. Yeah, I blame you. (laughs) It's all my fault. I don't have a ton of gripes about this. My gripes are um, around the changes that they uh, that he made from the novel that I think should have just stayed as they were. Um, Also, changing the entire ending was kind of like I. I liked the ending of the book. Um, I don't hate the Kubrick ending, but it's like, I just don't dig all the changes he made. And I know it sounds petty, but it's like, I'm docking a full half point just for um, that one outfit that Wendy has on when she's talking to the, the child uh, psychologist or, you know, (laughs) that is a damn hideous outfit. And it's like, (laughs) I have no idea why Kubrick would, would pick these clothes for her. It's like, what are you trying to do to this poor woman? She suffered enough. (laughs) (laughs) In so many ways. But on the upside, like there are some really masterful things about this film. Cinematography is gorgeous. Jack Nicholson's performance is just so fun to watch. Um, I also like uh, what Kubrick does with uh, our sense of like spatial reasoning or lack thereof. Like I've seen, uh, commentaries or, or videos that kind of deconstruct or they try to map out uh, you know what the inside of the hotel looks like based on when daddy's rolling around with his his tricycle down the hallways and that this spatially cannot exist like he puts in turns where there could not be turns or rooms where there couldn't be extra rooms so it it's, adds to the sense of feeling disoriented um, that the scene in the hallway with the twin girls is one of the greatest jump scares in cinema oh. I think 
beyond doubt. Yeah, so yeah, that's um, yeah, eight out of ten for me. All right, David. I'm gonna give it nine out of ten. Big Wheels. Um, I adore this <laughs> nice. movie. Um, I, it all goes back to the, that bathtub hag scene. Any any movie that has a scene like that can that can affect me into my adult years like that one did. I guess it's because you know the age I was when I watched it. But the, this this movie scared the fuck out of me when I was a kid. And we didn't, and, and so many of these the side performances um, I've got here. Uh, what Philip Stone is Delbert Grady, uh, Lloyd the bartender with Joe Turkle. This, what a great performance is the part. Oh, even the, the oh, yeah. small parts that are are not you know prominent are just fantastic. The hotel itself is is beautiful. It's particularly beautiful from the inside and horrifyingly cold and sterile and um, uh, um, oppressive from the outside, uh, which I think is intentional. Um, I think Shelley Duvall needs people need to give her a break. I think a lot of, from what I've read, a lot of her best stuff wound up on the cutting room floor. All right, I'm sorry, Dave. Gosh, well, I, mean, I atoned. I atoned. But, but yeah, you. And um, I, I love the, I love this movie. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I like Stanley Kubrick a lot more than apparently most of us do. I think he was fucking brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But Spartacus, fucking give me that shit all day long, you know. But. <laughs> Well, there's Dave with our hot take of the night. Um, Daniel. I'm going to be a devil's advocate. I get this 10 out of 10 drinks from Lloyd. Nice. Yeah. yeah. This is one of those few horror movies I would say it's just bloody perfect. Like, everything is great. And, you know, I appreciate the arguments of how it is not faithful to the books. But even on its own, it stands so good as an 80s horror movie. And the art of it is just beyond brilliant beyond brilliant like just so many of those visuals they will stay with you forever perfect um i'm sure that we're gonna hear candy's review now i i'm not i was not part of the conversation i i was at the beginning and i had a little cameo and i'm not going to rate this film because i was not part of the discussion but what i want to give a little food for thought okay my my hot take and um I know there are a lot of people who really, really enjoy this film. Now, I consider this a normie um, horror film. Like, your casual horror fans are always like, oh, The Shining's so great. And I'm like, I've seen, like, 80 million films better. But, and that's just from a horror standpoint. This is not about Kubrick. This is not about that. So, I was having a discussion. Um, our oldest daughter is an art student. And so I'm trying to keep this brief. Uh, I'll try. I'm not good at that. But, um... And we were discussing contemporary <laughs> art because she's studying that. And um, we were talking about a couple different exhibits. Uh, one was somebody took a banana and they taped it to the wall. That was the art piece, okay? And then another one was like a weathered piece of wood with chains, okay? So I'm looking at these two things, you know, I'm, I'm in my mind, of course, because I wasn't actually there. But she was describing them to me. And I'm like, well... I mean, you can take a banana taped to the wall and you can make up a million different reasons or feelings or stories about it and, and all these things. And you can analyze it and you can fucking make documentaries about it if you want. You want to get obsessive about it. But I'm more interested in what's on the other side. It tells me a story. It means something. And the fact that, you know, in the annals of horror that the shiny is considered more important than something that is much more effective and actually frightening. Like, 
Night Living Dead, which I think is an absolute fucking masterpiece um, that we haven't discussed. So that we're talking about The Shining is the banana tape to the wall. You can make a documentary about it. You can say all these different things about it. You can analyze the fuck out of it. You can have conspiracy theories. You can do whatever the fuck you want with that banana. But I'm, I'm like, why aren't we doing this with Night Living Dead? It, it's so much more important, and it has so much more to say. And it's simplistic, and <clears throat> it's stark, and it doesn't even have all the color. If you suck the color out of this film, do you think that it would be, like as powerful as it is because i think it relies a lot upon the color and and he's he's more of a visual artist you know this contemporary banana tape to the wall it can mean anything you can you can translate it and the the, the obsessive fans over the shining i don't get um especially when there's a book <laughs> like uh, word the mystery i don't know Mysteries come from the film because the film is its own thing. So I, I'm not going to rate this, but I'm just saying it's a banana tape to the wall. <laughs> okay. That's, that's a good analogy. Was that succinct or was that too long? Uh, that was fine. You're good. Yeah, you're good. Yay. I did it. You are good to go, Ghost Rider. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, while, while you're out here, why don't you tell us what our next episode is? Um, we are actually doing two uh, that are about that we're about to record. We're doing Psycho Gorman, which will be, I think, a lot of fun. Yay. And we are doing something that we have talked about for a long time, especially Erica. We are doing In the Mouth of Madness, and I'm really excited to talk about that. So uh, we're gonna be doing. I've never those. seen it, so that's gonna yeah, be a fun watch. It's uh, Going to be a couple of really fun and exciting and interesting, you know, discussions. Oh, Lovecraft. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that movie so much. I do, Talk too. Talk about obsessiveness. You'll hear some of my weird ideas about it. <laughs> I think that's a movie that you're allowed to be obsessive about because the nature of the film. Yeah. You know? You're yeah. supposed to be a little bit. Isn't that the point? True. I just like the big rolling ball monster in that one scene. I just love that. That's, yeah. that's right. that's some weird shit. I, I'm ready weird, for some weird shit. Let's weird get weird. shit. Let's get weird. And, and, and I love I love meta tales, so that, that's why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. If they're done right. Yeah. Oh yeah, because you could they you could really fuck. <laughs> yeah, it could it could it could be easily fucked up. You know, that's why <laughs> it takes a real it takes a real genius to pull that kind of story off, and you know. Um, we're talking about Carpenter here, so there you go. We got a lot of Carpenter coming. Um, yeah, so excited! And, and then so we excited. actually have one entire month of Carpenter. I'm so excited! Yeah, I'm so excited! Uh, this is just a little taste, and one's going to be a crossover with the Action Drunkies. Yeah. So I'm going to announce. We, we will jointly announce that uh, soon. Absolutely, 100. percent yeah, yeah. Can't, can't wait totally. for John Carpenter. John Carpenter, one of my heroes. I cannot wait to, for us to talk about him. Yeah. As much right. as I love George Romero, I love John Carpenter equally so. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, so we so disagree with that. There's so right, many right. parallels to be drawn there. No. no. And, and he's the last of the horsemen because uh, yeah. the four horsemen, him, Craven, Hooper, and Romero, and only yeah. Carpenter's left. And he's not <sighs> Yeah. We have to protect yeah. him at all costs. Because yes. I, I love Carpenter and his I don't give a fuck attitude. I love that about him, man. 
they, they yeah, were they were some of our best horror directors like Romero uh had that big I don't give a fuck attitude. No, but there was this there was an interview that uh, I found uh they they did with him on the set of uh Halloween and uh, uh the interviewer was praising filmmakers like Altman and uh Carpenter just like the roll of his eyes when he said Altman is a great filmmaker and he was like motherfucker if you don't go on <laughs> <laughs> so, so am I the John Carpenter of this show? <laughs> probably, probably. Probably. I'll take that. <laughs> I'm your Huckleberry on that. Hey, now we're talking. waiting for that Tombstone episode on the Action Drunkies. Oh no, you gonna get it. Oh, oh, you gonna get. That's it. one of my favorite movies of all That's time. Such That's a great movie. Amen, amen. It'll be coming. So- it'll be coming sooner than you think. Hell yeah. All right. Well, speaking about getting weird, Rob, you want to hit us with some plugs? (laughs) (laughs) Can you rephrase that, please? Uh, Yeah. Plug me, Rob. Oh. Oh. You made it worse. Uh, Yeah, Sean, Sean, he, he, you know, he had it at the edge right there, and then he just pushed it right the fuck over. He's in my role tonight, so of course he did. Oh, uh, I gotta make it weird, man. That's what I do. So he's he's done a great job. Good job. I can relate. You get a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, plugs. Let me get the fuck out of the way. Uh, of course, action drunkies. The, bah, 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 bah. There we go. Um, we're in the midst of our you know second season. It's going going good so far. The what else do I have? Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter at at action drunkies. Uh, you can find me as the Cinema Drunkie on Twitter and the Cinema Drunkie on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, of course, uh, I'd like to shout out our brother uh, Mike from Atkins Undisputed. Um, always, the forever my brother. Uh, also, uh, my boy uh, Michael Cook from Hit Rewind. The and also um, uh, Cobwebs podcast. They're gonna have me on there soon to talk about one of my favorite movies, The Lady Vanishes, and. Um, uh, I, I'm uh, I'm going to be on another podcast uh, later this month, uh, Shock and Awe, to talk about uh, Frankenstein and Weird Science. Ooh, good uh, movies. Yeah, they, 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 they gave me the they gave me the choice of the double feature, and those, that's the one I picked because I thought it's it was choice. Yeah, so uh, uh, check to check that out, and uh, yeah, the, those are my plugs. Now leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mac. I'll follow my illustrious brother. Shout to our fans who listens to this, the House of Scream. Love you guys. Also, my brother, like I said, the Action Drunkies. We started our second season, so check that out. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the Action Drunkies. Me, Mac the All-Star, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Shout to Mike over at Action Undisputed. Larry, I see you, bro. And uh, can't wait to get up with you guys next week. Yeah, shout out to Larry. He's such a good bean. Yeah, Larry. Yeah. Larry, you always, you always need a good bean in the bunch. Right. <laughs> I'm, sure right, he would, I'm sure he would appreciate that. Daniel? Well, the Nightmare Nerd always is on uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And actually, something I've got coming up soon on a related note to The Shining is uh, the Amazon series Them, which I find is very comparable to Kubrick's The Shining. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah, we just uh, as saw. Always, as always, was, eat, drink, and be scary. We just saw a trailer for them the other day. It looks really good. I, I binge watched it. It's good, but it does have flaws. 
Uh, uh, yeah, I've I've heard like just the, the many divisive things on it. I heard people saying it's really good, and I heard people say it's hard to watch. It's degradation porn. Uh, I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. There there was a. St- it's good, I, but you've got to be willing to slog through it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I read a snippet from one episode, and it's like, yeesh. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to sit through that. Huh. Yeah, maybe I'll have to read about it first. <laughs> well, watch my video when I review it. Yeah, there we go. That'll work. Yeah, absolutely. Erica? Uh, you can find me at myhorrificlife.com uh, and on Instagram at myhorrificlife. Um, I'm going to try to start posting more regularly again. I just got out of habit. Um, definitely want to plug Candy's makeup line. This is going to be super fun. Yeah. I will be posting um, pictures and reviews of the palettes once I get them in the mail. So this will be like a fun little adventure. I'm, like, so cool to know someone who's, like, doing their own makeup. Well, Erica and I are actually going to do one together. Yes. Uh, hey. There you go, girl. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Now we're, we're talking. We're going to collaborate. Yes. Oh, so, oh, it's ladies night. Oh, okay. And okay. it feeling right. Yeah, if you ever listened to any <laughs> Ghoul's Night Out episode, uh, we go all out. Oh, oh yes, whoa, we do. <laughs> I, I have yet to listen to y'all. Uh, I spell on your grade because I wanted to take the time to sit there and listen to it because I know it's going to be a, a thorough discussion. So I just wanted it's to put aside brace, time. You to brace yourself because it's really we go really deep. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know, and and you know, considering the movie you covered, it's it's appropriate. So I just wanted to take the time to you know sit down and listen to it. You know, because I got shit going on this week, and uh, really I, I yeah. <laughs> All right, Dave. Uh, you can find me here. And uh, in Red Dot Online on Xbox Live as Mr. Lindsay. <laughs> we keep talking about getting online and playing. We have to do that. Definitely. I usually, I usually just get out sure. real quick to do my daily challenges because I'm a little OCD. I get out there, do my daily challenges, and get off. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to uh, run a posse sometime. Yeah. But that's yeah. it. Uh, th- uh, thank you to all the listeners. Uh, we love you. This is so much fun. I hope uh, what I love about this is we're all so genuine. It's not specifically scripted or um, controlled in any way whatsoever. And I love that. <laughs> um, and I love I love discovering these movies or rediscovering them in this case with you all because you people are also brilliantly uh, in, incisive on these movies. You bring out things that I didn't see the first time or ever, and I love that part of it. I love digging into these films and discovering them in a new way. Definitely. Well, you did that for me tonight with the boiler scene. I it didn't even cross my mind until you said that. Um. I will uh, shout myself out, uh, Shaun of the Dead. You can find me on Instagram and uh, nowhere else. Um, I've kind of <laughs> become a hermit on uh, social media. Um, hey, Ghostly Phases. If you like, if you like cats and skateboarding, um, yeah. that's about all I post about. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to our uh, brothers and sisters across the pond, um, Ian, Lucy, and Lindsay at uh, Behind the Screams. Um, they recently released our episode of uh, Wrong Turn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was so yeah. funny. Which, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, that was, that was fucking hilarious, dude. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Also, uh, I wanted to point out, uh, he also, a uh, uh, couple weeks back, he released uh, my episode of Child's Play 2, where I compared the, the, the Hedge Maze chase 
to the 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 doll chase in Child's Play Two, and I said that one was superior. Which I'm the fir- which I think I'm the first person in history to ever fucking do that. So shout out to me. Yeah. Sean, and you gotta add those in when you edit this, and you gotta add those in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dave's and Dave's gonna be doing Night of the Living Dead. So yeah. nice. I'm so, I'm so nervous. No, no, you're gonna be fine. No, you you're got gonna be great. It's yeah, you're gonna so be great. Easy dude. to talk to. No, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. No, no. Yes, 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 yes. No, yes, I, yes. I said I literally said this to Ian because Ian, whenever we do his show, we Ian and I talk for like two extra hours by just talking. He'll yeah. walk away, do other things, and Ian and I should, are talking. And he was like, I'm sorry, you know, uh, I know how much you love Night Living Dead. I said, no, you picked the perfect person. I said, Night Living Dead brought us together. And that's how I met Dave years ago. And I said, Dave is as big a Romero fan as me. You got the right man for the job. So yeah. you're going to have a blast. Yeah, no pressure. No, no. Uh, he, he makes it I'm so fine, easy. Fine. You know how easy he is to talk to. Yeah, He's been on the show enough. It's very structured. Yeah, it's, it's going to be great. I, I will take any opportunity to talk about that movie and learn more about it and discuss it with people who love it as much as I do. Right. Because that's what it's about, right? Learning and seeing other people's opinions. And he yeah. wants to get, um, you know, some of the other people in the show involved uh, as he can. But the, you know how they're, they, they're, they're recording uh, structure. I mean, they, they're so fucking busy. Yeah, he's yeah. active. They're yeah. getting to everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, I remember he asked me before the discussion about us taking a break. He was like, uh, you guys take breaks? And I was like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Not like, really, but yeah. <laughs> like, We've done no, it once. Like, he, was, he was because uh, this was before, I think, uh, me and Mac had come back from season hiatus. And he was like, how do you do that? How do you take a season break that, that long? And I was just like, you know, we, we just work right through it. And I'm like, I don't know how you fucking do that and shit. I need to break, dude. <laughs> it, it was a little long. I ain't gonna front. I was maybe more like, "Yo, you ready? Right, yeah, right. We're gonna we're gonna get this going." The, the, no, that's why I was telling Candy, like, "Dude, take the break. Take take the yeah. break. It's recharge. Hard. Take it. Yeah, <laughs> recharge those batteries." Because yeah. Because just canceled, but it was hard tonight because FOMO and um, I'm used to running the show, and I'm like, I better just get in the shower because I shower forever. So I was like, I can't. <laughs> I got I got to say, sis, the wet hair looks uh, the wet hair look looks great on you. Really? Because I fucking hate it. <laughs> no, no, no. hair is so straight and boring. It's no, I like, like, I like, I don't know. I got a thing for wet hair look, so it's, uh, I like I, I do, I do photos with it sometimes. Hmm. On my, on my Instagram, which I'm about to plug. Um, so <laughs> it's my turn. And, um, I run all the socials for the House of Screams as I am the loudest and, uh, bossiest and, uh, whatever on the show. Um, that's just how I'm made. But, um, we have hit over 3,000 followers and going every day. So we're beyond 3,000. Um, and I, I love each and every one of you. Follow us on Twitter at house underscore screams. Um, you're interacting with me. So sometimes you'll get stuff and I'm just talking about like when I say me, it's, it's just me. I run that. Um, and uh, I do a lot of really fun stuff um, regarding the show on my Instagram, um, which I just hit a thousand followers on there. Um, Candy, the final girl. And um, so uh, you can that's where you're going to find most of the info for the show. Hit our Twitter, 
hit my Instagram. I know it's my personal Instagram, but I'm too lazy to make other accounts, as I've said in the past. Um, yeah, that's mainly uh, House of Scream stuff. Uh, but I also, you know, as Erica mentioned, I have a horror-themed uh, beauty line. That's all on Instagram. And uh, there's a lot of really fun stuff going on with that. And I, I, I try to tie the show in a little bit. So, um, yeah. Just, uh, thank you guys for all your hard work. You know, I have to shout out to all of you for doing this and uh, making this show what it is. And we have just grown and grown, and 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 I'm I'm just so proud of us. You're all special, Dan. I'm very happy to be a part of it. You are. Yeah. All and you know, um, we you know we love to have you back. So we'll so you know get in touch yeah. with me, Daniel, because I I do have some openings on some movies I shouldn't have openings on. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, dude. Uh, Candy and I have, might have a little collaboration going on of my own soon. No, no, no. For real, for real, Dan. It was good to have you back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really yeah. Thank you, guys. I, I know I was bad in the past. I'm going to be my best behavior. And it was nice to meet you. Be back. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's I right. Mean, this it's is, not like this, we're not your friends. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? and, and 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 that's crazy. I just realized uh, uh, Mac and Dan. Uh, this is their first episode oh, yeah. together. Oh, that's yeah, nice to meet you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine, sir. <laughs> well, we needed your interjections. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I was badly missed. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You should have been here for brain damage. Ooh. Oh my no, god. Maybe, no, you probably shouldn't have. And I just let that in. As awkward as it is. I would like to be a guest for one of your ghouls night out because as a former incel turned male feminist, I think I could have a unique insight to provide. Well, what do you think, Erica? I mean, I guess yeah. it's something we'll all yeah. have to sit and discuss. Yeah. Depending upon which movie you discuss. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we can find a film that. That would be good for that. that. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's fine. I wanted it on the, Actually, I, I wanted I it on the, the, the bitch. The bitch. <laughs> I, I wanted it on the, the, the bitch, and uh, I got told to fuck off. You know, <laughs> but, well, but sure, well, sure. D- Daniel, Daniel gets included. Uh, oh, he's so special. He's special. <laughs> well, you know what? You're all special, and uh, you know, all offers will, will be considered. But we. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just joking. That's all right. The guys, we're gonna we're gonna do our own episode. We're gonna call it "Dicks Out for Horror." Yeah, Ooh. perfect. Bam, 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 bam. Screams, right? I mean, because where where's the line? Seriously, like the House of Screams presents "Dicks Out for Horror." I'm with. Oh. I mean, I mean, are you serious? Like, I don't, I don't want you guys to start feeling insecure about yourselves. <laughs> I mean, listen, no, I'm good. Born that way. Rock wait. out with cock out. My wait, wife wait, wait. loves it, so we straight. I hear that. Um, I would say that the, the, for for that we have to do street trash because that's I was gonna ultimate, say oh, <laughs> that's oh, the ultimate dick out movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Right. What have I gotten myself into? That in the that in the lighthouse. Oh yeah! Oh, yes. Yes. I juggle this fucking schedule almost daily. I said, <laughs> if you want to do a guy show. You have to fucking schedule it. You have to look at that schedule and you have to find a place because we are packed. Yeah. Like from here on out, we are so goddamn busy. So find time. That's on you. I'm not juggling that schedule. And, and by the way, I've suggested a Ghostbusters episode for <coughs> coincide with November, the movie. Which, 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you should you should see the amount of times that uh, we get notifications from the schedule for House That Screams after Candy has altered it. <laughs> I mean, it's actually really hard trying to find the right space and the right time. Oh, oh, the the. And then, like, trying to put guests in and people and like 18 people want to do the same movie. And I'm like, there's seven of us on the show. What do you want me to do? And we have to we have to try to factor in like when you guys record, you know, so that we don't get like conflicting schedules and things like that. That's what I do. Like, I I spend like sometimes like two hours trying to figure out a schedule. Me, that's and why I like live me shows and Sundays, then night out and then regular episodes and it's like, oh, but okay, I love, but I love you guys and I and I love doing this. So like, hey, why not? Yeah, we we love you too. So, Listen, doing you know. this made me buy a whole yeah. podcast setup, and so it I was fucking legit. amazing, Max. It does. Yeah, my, my boy, game is, my game is weak. <laughs> My brother over there. Our game nah, you know, fucking around with the, the drunkies. I was using my phone, and then I'm like, I'm on two shows. I might as well step it up a little bit, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, actually, we actually need to do that. <laughs> yeah. We haven't. Yeah, but, but I got like but, two people. That's going to be a crazy project. Well, it's, I'm usually the one that's out here. He's somewhere else. But now with um, technical issues we were having, it's better if we're just together. And that yeah. way, I'm not talking over him. Well, no, I am. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you just made it awkward. So, uh, <laughs> isn't that well, what I do? Thank you all for having me. In an effort to keep this under two hours, um, which is oh, the yeah, bane like of my existence, and when my it comes to editing. Yo, we're up to six hundred dollars, nigga. Dogecoin, <laughs> motherfuckers. Yeah, Sorry. it's spiked. Dude, dude, uh-huh. you you're about to destroy that beautiful podcast thing. It don't matter if that shit. Can, if we can get that shit up to like five hundred dollars a coin, I got right, two thousand of them. Settle down. Settle I buy down. everybody desks. How about that? All right. I'm going to hold you to it, too. I got you, bro. Don't even worry about it. Thank you all. All right. Thanks, guys. You guys have a great night. Good night. Have a good night. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Thanks.